when you're applying hypnotherapy, the solutions comes from the person within and not me imposing it on the other person. When you are in trance and you have the feeling it's not the right moment or not the right hypnotist, or there's something you don't want to get out in the air, you have the possibility to break off the session and be aware instantly, meaning you're in control. People are more capable than they give themselves credit for. There's a reason why people sometimes are reluctant to change because as a hypnotherapist, you work with the subconscious mind, right? And everything the subconscious does has a positive intention. It wants to keep you safe. It wants to protect you. It wants to take care of you. So that's all positive. Yet that doesn't mean that you're happy with the behavior it uses to execute that intention. And it's about fight, flight, freeze. So it's all about survival. And if you look at it that way, then we're more focused on dangers than on opportunities. We don't see our own blind spots. You know, there's a reason why they're called blind spots, right? <laughs> so you need an external person or thing to make you aware of your blind spots of how you limit yourself without realizing it everybody is born with a growth mindset so a fixed mindset is trained right welcome back to another episode of unleash thyself i am your host constantine moroon and today we're diving deep into the transformative world of hypnosis with erwin wills the mastermind behind millionaire life strategy. Erwin is an exceptionally versatile mindset coach and business strategist with a rich background in electrical engineering and certifications in professional hypnotherapy, soul key therapy, and eye movement therapies. He specializes in unlocking your true potential. But today we're diving in on hypnosis, a subject that often intrigues and mystifies. In this episode, we're exploring how Erwin shifted gears from a career in hard sciences to become a leading figure in transformational therapy and coaching, using hypnosis as one of his powerful tools. We'll unpack hypnosis, demystify common misconceptions, and Erwin will share some compelling examples that illustrate its effectiveness. We'll also delve into the broader mechanics of mindset, the language that shapes our lives, and why personal transformation starts from within. If you've ever been curious about hypnosis or how science and psychology can interplay to spur personal growth, you definitely don't want to miss out. Before we dive in, if you're enjoying our episodes, I'd like to invite you to hit that like button, subscribe to Unleash Thyself, and if you feel inspired, leave us a review or comment. Your support means the world to us and helps us bring you more impactful conversations like this one. So let's get started. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself, the podcast that inspires and empowers you to unleash your full potential. I am thrilled to welcome Erwin Wells to the show. Erwin, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and the moment you knew you were on your path to becoming the best version of yourself. Erwin, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Constantine. Really looking forward to the conversation. Me too, me too. So... I know you have a very interesting background, like myself, in the sciences, and then you transferred some of that knowledge and experiences into a much more enriching and beautiful career. So let's let's start with perhaps when you realized that what you were doing before in the sciences may not have been the right path for you. Yeah. Well, like you said, I have a technical background. I'm a master of science in electrical engineering. I graduated university back in 96. And if you say it fast, it's not that long ago. And I entered the corporate world in the ICT environment. I've always worked on the on the border between the real technical people and the business people. So I was smart enough to, to ask challenging questions to the real techies. And I could also explain it in layman terms to the business as well. And I had always been looking for my added value. 
And I thought I found it in process optimization. So every step I took throughout my career was more towards full-time process optimization. And in 2014, I was working at the Dutch telecoms company, KPN. I came to the realization that even though I could optimize a process and have all the graphs and figures to validate this optimization, to justify the improvement, but if the people that are using the process don't change, the process itself won't change, especially with KPN where people have been working at the same job for, for 10, 15, 20 years, right? It's very hard to, to teach them a new track, so to speak. So I started thinking about doing a training on getting those people to change as well. And first thing that came to mind was NLP. Yet I didn't actually know what it meant. I knew it was short for neuro-linguistic programming. And that had to do with behavioral change. But that was like all the information I had. So I did a little research on the internet. I came across a Dutch ebook, which was called A Different Approach to NLP. And I thought, well, I don't have any approach to NLP, so I might as well start there, right? So I started reading that ebook, and that ebook actually explained that NLP was some sort of hypnosis. And that intrigued me because I'm. A very responsible person. I feel responsible for my own actions. And that's one of the reasons I will never do drugs and I don't drink any alcohol because I want to stay in control. And I had like the same presupposition about hypnosis. So I couldn't make that match in my mind how NLP could be considered to be some sort of hypnosis. And the author of the ebook, he had a very interesting statement. He said, John, if you like this ebook, you should read my other ebook. So I read this other ebook, was all about hypnosis and hypnotherapy, and all presuppositions I had were swept off the table. You shouldn't do that with me, because then I want to know more, right? I know that I'm intelligent enough to know that my view of the world is my interpretation of the world, and if something challenges my view of the world, I want to know the other side of the story. So That's to make my view more complete, right? The author also had a webinar, and I attended his webinar. And during the webinar, they were talking about regression. I simply said that you can go back in the past, solve things without accusing anybody so that you're not limited by your past in the present. And me and my wife, we have two adopted boys. And first thing that I thought, well, you know, this regression stuff that could actually help my boys because I'm convinced they're intelligent persons. Yet it's not showing on school, right? So a week later, I watched the same webinar with my wife. And she actually said, you know, we should actually do the training. If only we could help our boys with that. So she signed up for the training first. And we both signed up for a one-day workshop on hypnosis. Because I thought to myself, if I need to be hypnotized, then it better be my wife. You know, I trust her enough. So we went to the workshop. And at the end of the afternoon, we had to do our first hypnosis exercise. And the intention of the exercise was to give the other person a great feeling. And the way to achieve that was to put the person into a trance, deepen the trance, do a test to see if the person whether or not was in trance, deepen the trance or more, then get a great memory from the past, strengthen the feeling with that memory, the emotion, and get the person out of trance with that positive feeling so you give the other person a positive a great feeling based on a real memory and i did the exercise with the lady sitting next to me and everything went perfect you know it she went into a trance the trance deepening went perfect the trance test was very successful then the moment i wanted to deepen the trance some more suddenly she started squeaking her eyes and shaking her head and no oh, i'm sorry erwin but I can't do it. I'm so sorry. And it doesn't feel right. And so that was the best thing that could happen to me that day because all signs were positive, right? She was in trance. You know, I proved it with the trance test. The exercise was meant to give the other person a great feeling. So it's a very innocent exercise. And yet when you are in trance and you have the feeling it's not the right moment or not the right hypnotist, or there's something you don't want to get out in the air, you have the possibility to break off the session and be aware instantly, meaning you're in control, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. And that experience with the thought that I had some, some talent in this hypnosis stuff made me decide to also apply for the training. And after the first weekend of training, I was sold because everything I loved came together. You know, I love helping people, but in a coaching manner. And when you're applying hypnotherapy, the solutions come comes from the person within. 
and not me imposing it on the other person. My works need a challenge because when I'm not challenged, I get bored or distracted. And every person, every session is a new challenge for me because everybody is unique. So that keeps it exciting and, and, and energized for me. And I'm still optimizing processes, but very complex ones, those of the internal human being. So back then, I immediately knew that I wanted to do that for a living someday. You know, that was my added value, so to speak. So I started also working with strangers and I graduated in August of 2015. And I said to myself, all sessions that I give till August are free of charge because I see it as a part of my training. But the moment I'm certified, I want to charge for my sessions. And since I didn't want to have any issues with the tax authorities, my wife and I registered our company at the Chamber of Commerce starting September 1st, 2015. So I started next to my day job thinking, you know, in about five to 10 years, I will probably be far enough to make the full-time living not realizing that in 2017, I was fully self-employed. I've invested a lot of money and time in my personal development, in my education, in my training. One of the things I thought was that I couldn't sell, so I invested a lot of that. And it wasn't until I changed my mindset about selling that I knew I was actually great at it. But I just had the, the wrong presuppositions about selling. And that have been true with a lot of things. You know, people are more capable than they give themselves credit for. And that's, I'm here to awaken my clients and to make them achieve the full potential in themselves and in their business. Amazing stuff, Erwin. Thank you so much for sharing that. Such a beautiful story. And it, it goes to prove that once you set your sights on something that you truly believe in, let's say following your heart, you can make it happen. You have all the power. And I loved when you said that you're not teaching anyone your ways or your doctrines or pushing anything on them. You help them find their own answers within because we all have them. And I strongly believe that as well. And I've seen it in my own life and, and the life of those around me. And I also like the idea of what you talked about when it's about changing people. It doesn't matter what process you change. It all comes down to people. In my professional life, I specialize in organizational change management. And it's all about process optimization. Like you said, but it's also how do we get people to change their behavior, changing how they use certain tools or what tools they use to begin with. And it all comes down to people. And what I've realized later than I would like to admit is that the same principles you have in the business world can easily apply in your personal life, but most of the time we don't do it. We don't apply change management practices. We don't think of it the way that, hey, you know, there are steps that we need to take to change our mindset or to change how we approach a situation. It's like you said, Constantine, it, it's universal, right? One of the things, and it's great that you mentioned change management in organizations because that was actually my second, the second company I worked for. Mm -hmm. They were also going through an organizational change. You know, they were from, they wanted to change the company from a product delivery company to a service oriented company. So that would also mean a change of culture. And there were all kinds of improvement teams. And one of those teams, they started interviewing the different departments of the company. And then when they asked about the current culture within the company, each department gave a different description yet when they asked them how they wanted the culture to be they surprisingly enough got similar answers so in a sense it's a good thing right because all departments wants to go to the same or a similar uh, culture yet what you saw happening was that most employees thought you know this is the culture we want and the moment it's there i will participate not realizing that the culture is the biggest biggest divider of the, whole, of, of the people that's working there, right? As employees, you define the culture of a company. So unless you start changing yourself, nothing will change. Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at I value any and all feedback. 
Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. I love that because it resonates so well with pretty much every job I had in my career, as well as the work I've done with many large organizations and smaller ones. Because people, let's say, join an organization, they see the culture of the organization, but then they are not aligned with it. It won't just magically happen. They have to put in the work. And that's such a nice parallel to our own lives, personal lives, not just professional lives, where we can read all the theory, we can watch all the videos, listen to all the podcasts, but until we apply those elements into our life and integrate, not much will change. Yeah, exactly. And it's what you said, you know, when you work with people, people want to change, but not to be changed. And there's a reason why people sometimes are reluctant to change because as a hypnotherapist, you work with the subconscious mind, right? And everything the subconscious does has a positive intention. It wants to keep you safe. It wants to protect you. It wants to take care of you. So that's all positive. Yet that doesn't mean that you're happy with the behavior it uses to execute that intention. Because when you look at it, we all know we have a comfort zone, right? And within the comfort zone, everything is known. You know, all things you do within your comfort zone, the results are predictable, right? So if the intention of your subconscious mind is to protect you and to keep you safe and take care of you, the easiest way to achieve that is to keep you in your comfort zone. So the moment you step out of your comfort zone, things become unfamiliar. You don't know what to expect. The results are unknown until you've done it. So you get, you will get some, some, some forced feedback from your subconscious mind to pull you back into your comfort zone. Yeah, you face that resistance. Exactly. I've, I mean, of course, I would imagine everyone listening to this can remember many times in their life when that was true. And I know so many examples in my life. And what you just mentioned is important because sometimes we're not aware that it happens, or I would argue that most times we're not aware of it. So if I'm not aware of what's going on, it's very hard for me to, to address the issue or to push a change. Exactly, right? I always say, and, and if every time I say it, I must laugh a little inside of me because we don't see our own blind spots. You know, There's a reason why they're called blind spots, right? <laughs> so you need an external person or thing to make you aware of your blind spots, of how you limit yourself without realizing it. Absolutely. And I love that you brought it up because, again, I go back to my own life, even in the last six months of starting this podcast and doing all the work, you think you know things, you think you, you know everything there is about something, but you don't know your blind spots, you don't know what you don't know. So how do you allow others to help you in that regard? Or are you willing to, to let others help you? It's what you hear a lot in, in, in the media and other coaches say that they say there are two kinds of mindsets, right? You have a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And when you want to develop yourself and get the most out of yourself, it's best to have a growth mindset, right? I, I remember, and, and I saw this in particular when, when the lockdown came, right? That there were a lot of people that felt victims and they wanted to return to the old situation again before the lockdown. Well, that's a mission impossible unless you're able to time travel, right? Because it happened and we have to deal with it. And you saw other people that, well, of course they felt bad, you know, they felt impacted by the situation, but they just accepted the situation as is and started looking for ways to make it work for them. And that's a growth mindset. That's a, that's a big one because that's something that coming from a background like myself in Eastern Europe, fixed mindset was the way life was lived for, for a long time where you couldn't learn from mistakes. Or, I mean, of course you could, but it wasn't encouraged, right? Mistakes were to be punished or hidden or avoided at all costs. Mistakes are lessons now, right? And with the girls' minds, like you said, like the example you gave, the idea that you are open to whatever comes your way and try to learn from it and improve and, and move forward. And yeah, it's made a huge difference in my life when I finally embraced that. Yeah, and I dare to say that everybody is born with a growth mindset. So a fixed mindset is trained, right? Before you had your own conscious mind, right? And I'm talking about the first few years of your life. You did a lot of things for the first time, right? Yeah. You learned how to stand. You learned to walk. You fell you use that feedback to improve your 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 processes, right? Your walking. So there were so many times you did things for the first time and you didn't blame the circumstances for not succeeding the first time, right? You learned from your mistakes, from the feedback you got, you improved your process and you were able 
to learn to walk, to write, to read, to, to dance, to, to, to cycle, to swim, all those kind of things. So, but at a certain moment in time, due to the circumstances you grow up in, you know, the things you get from your parents, your teachers, the culture, the social rules, everything, people train themselves into a fixed mindset. Absolutely. And I love that example because something that comes to mind and something I've seen more and more and more often is the example of a baby. Like when you grew up, when I grew up, how many times did we not fall trying to learn how to walk? And I don't imagine a baby ever thinking, you know what? Walking is not for me. I'm going to give up. There is no such thing. Like you said, no. right? Pushing through and you're getting it done. How can we bring that back into our lives so that no matter what obstacle we face, we'll just be like, okay, we fell down, we get up, we try again. Would you say then a lot of this is has to do with going back and looking at why you have those limiting beliefs or and trying to change them? Yeah, well... Funny thing that, that you mentioned that because I'm also very keen on the use of words and the impact of words. And I want to ask you, I want to give you a little assignment. Sure. Let's do it. Could you try lifting one of your hands? Yes. Right? That's not hard, is it? No, no, not at all. You didn't listen to the assignment I gave you. Which was lift one of my hands? No, I said, could you try lift one of oh, your hands? Right. Yeah, I did. You didn't try it, you just did it. Yes. Because trying implies that it's difficult and it gives you an excuse to stop the moment it gets tough. Okay. Right? This is great quote from, from Star Wars, from Yoda. No, do or do not. There is no try. Let's say that you and I would agree upon a little challenge, right? That we're going to, in three months from now, we're going to meet and we're going to run 10 kilometers in an hour. And you would say, okay, Aaron, I'll try. And you start training. We're three months further down the road. It's uh, challenge time. We start running. And after 30 minutes, you've covered four and a half kilometers. Chances are very big that you would say, okay, I'm sorry, Aaron, but it's not going to happen today. Maybe in another time, right, but I'm not going to make it. And you quit. If you would say, okay, Aaron, let's do it. Your commitment is different. And if you start training and after three months, it's challenge time, you start running. And after 30 minutes, you've only covered four and a half kilometers. Chances are much bigger that you will say to yourself, I better speed up a little bit. Otherwise, I won't make it. And I can resonate with that because that's actually something I've been paying more attention to in the last uh, year or so the language like how you talk to yourself because i didn't realize how many times like you said you you put the word try or maybe or i'll get to it or things that imply that there's a possibility that you won't get to it and it's okay and you don't realize it until well the things happen or don't happen because if you're honest to yourself when do you know whether or not you'll be able to do something oh good question i guess to me it depends a bit but i would say almost right away you should be able to know this is something i can do well the, the earliest moment you know you are able to do something or not is the moment you're doing it, right? If you can do it, great. If you can't do it, at least you've learned two one of two things. Either you know what you have to improve in order to do it correct the next time, or you know it's not for you. For instance, I can't make a split, right? I'm not that flexible. But I always say I can't do it yet. Because I'm convinced that if I will put in the time and effort, I will be able to make a split eventually. But it doesn't make sense for me to put in all that time and effort in it because I don't need it. Yeah. yeah. Right? There's no need for me to be able to make a split. And I'll imagine it gets more difficult when you're unsure if something is worth it or not. If something is for you or not. How do you see dealing with that? Like taking an action or going after a goal or objective? Well, I always say that this is great quote from Napoleon Hill, the writer of Think and Grow Rich, one of my favorite authors. And it says, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. You can also look at it. And it's also what's Simon Sinek says, you know, start with why. If your why is big enough, you will find a way to get there. And you will make the priority for yourself, you know, and you're using your your setbacks to improve the route. You know, if you if you went into a dead end street, at least you don't know you don't need to go to into that direction again. If you change direction, but you will find a way to achieve what you what you made your mind up for. Absolutely. So since we're talking about the finding the why, finding your purpose essentially and what motivates you, how does hypnotic in your experience helps with that? Like does it help people clarify or get more clarity around 
the why? Definitely. You know, and it doesn't always need to be in trance because one of the exercises I give my clients is to start as early as possible, meaning early in your life, to look at the things you did without anybody asking it. Meaning, let's let's give an example of of, of little boys playing with Lego. You know, the, the little building blocks. Yeah, the Lego, yes. A lot of children play with Lego, right? But you could also focus on, on in what way were you playing with Lego. You know, were you playing according to the manual, created it completely and then play with it for a few weeks or months? Or were you already thinking of the other things you could create with the same Lego during the building process? If you were the latter, you have a very creative mind and you did it without anybody anybody forcing you to be creative you know it's just your natural talent and if you can find that that creativity in your current role or your your next role i know you will enjoy it even more because it's your strength it's a talent that you have it, it's something that has been given to you and you should use it to good use yeah, that's, a, that's a great example because we can go back in our life without like you said without uh, hypnotherapy to really look at what were the things that brought us joy and that's one exercise I did quite a bit, actually, in the past few years to try to really see what, what brings me joy in life. And it's actually, I mean, to me at the time, it was surprising how well it works, but not anymore. I mean, it makes sense why it would work. You know, if, 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 I, if I look at myself personally, I always love to help people, right? At uh, birthday parties, I would love to help the host to, to serve the, the drinks and to go around with the, the, the biscuits and the, the sweets. I, did, I practiced judo for a very long time. And I still remember that when we had an exam and the, 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 the friend I was doing the exam with, the teacher asked a certain technique. And he couldn't come up with the technique how to do it. So I whispered in his ear what he should do because I genuinely wanted to help him. And I still remember that my whispering skills weren't that developed because at a certain moment, my trainer said, you know, okay, Aaron, you have passed, but he should do it himself as well. I guess I wasn't that good of a whisperer. That's always being in in myself right the, the the desire i would almost say to help people you know because it's i have this this how do i put it this belief that why shouldn't i help somebody you know if 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 somebody is struggling with something if i can carry it back for them or share my knowledge with them why shouldn't i do that that's a beautiful vision and honestly i would argue that that is more than we think, at least, a human trait as well. Like all of us, at least earlier in life, like you said, we come with certain things. We come with this idea that we're here in this together and we want to be in service of others. But along the way, we forget that because, again, with society and everything else that we, we learn. Yeah. And that looks different for everyone, right? Because how you're being in service to others will look very different from you to me and others. And that's the beauty of it because there's so many ways in which one can give back and then, of course, receive a lot more in return without even realizing. Definitely. And and the beauty of such an, such an exercise of going back in time, looking at the things you did without anybody asking for it and what you enjoyed doing, you know, you can actually become aware of your own talents. Because, and and that, that's, that's unleashing the full potential of yourself because some things you take for granted, right? One of my core values is uh, keeping my promises, right? When I have an appointment with somebody, I'd rather be 30 minutes early than five minutes late. And if somebody asks me something and I say that I will do it, then I keep my promises, Right, but for me, it, it it was just normal, and I expected others to act the same way until I realized that it was actually like a talent of mine, right? And I couldn't expect others to act the same way. Yeah, so then it goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? It's not about imposing your will on others; it's just following through with your own, and then letting them get to whatever talents or ways of living are. Yeah, exactly. Now, can you tell us some ways that we as human beings? limit ourselves without realizing we talked about a few already but what are some of the other common ones you've seen that we may be not aware of and we should become aware of well i would actually like to share an exercise a challenge with the audience and it consists of three parts the two physical challenges and one mental challenge and the first physical challenge is i want everybody to raise one of his or her hands as high as possible, make a mental note which heights they reach because they need it for the second challenge. Mm -hmm. 
So the second challenge is I want the, the, the people to use that same hand and reach it even higher than they just did. And I'm pretty sure that everybody reaches higher the second time, right? Yes. Well, you and I did this. So yes, I know yeah. from my own experience. Exactly. Now, the third challenge, that's a mental challenge. And it consists of one question. And I think that's the most, it's a very simple one, but I think it's most beautiful one of the whole challenge and maybe even the most impactful. And it's this question. Why didn't you do that the first time? Right. And I get sometimes, I get an answer. Well, after the first time I had a certain point and I knew I only needed to to go above that point, right? And I said, that's correct. You're perfectly right. Yet what you did the second time, you could have also done the first time, right? When there are listeners that are sitting down while listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure they did this exercise sitting down and they could have stood up. They could have climbed on the chair, on the table, telling me that the ceiling is limiting their hand for reaching higher. And like we talked on earlier, has to do with frames, right? You put yourself in some sort of frame and within that frame, you think you do the best you can until you're challenged to get out of that frame and you realize you can do even better. Yes, I love that. If, if, if you would do this exercise, for instance, in a restaurant, nobody will climb on the table and jump as high as possible because it's socially not acceptable, right? Unless you're drunk and then you might climb on the table and jump right? But then you're leaving all the limitations behind you because you don't care what others think of you when you're drunk, right? And we are, we are social animals. We like to belong to a group. So we comply with the rules that the group oppose upon us, right? It can be social rules, can be cultural rules, can be written and unwritten rules from your family, from your teachers, from the environment, your direct environment, which means that Without realizing it, you limit yourself. You talked um, about the frames, right? You talked about, it. I, I look at them as boxes. So it's not only that you put your own boxes around yourself to limit yourself, but there's so many from outside of you that you may not be aware of. And the example with the restaurant is so beautiful. And it's actually great that, that, that you said it because one of my coaches, he once said, you know, you put yourself in some sort of box and you need somebody from the outside to read the label to see what's inside of the box. That's a good way to look at it. And it's, I have a t-shirt and there's a quote on it from Tetris. And for, for those that are not familiar with the game of Tetris, it's a very old computer game. It's where you have a column and you, you let blocks fall from different formats fall into that column. And what you need to do is to fill a whole line with blocks. And the moment the line is filled, the it, it will disappear, right? And yet, if you're not filling the lines, the blocks will stack up until you've reached the top of the column and it's game over that t-shirt that i have says tetris taught me that if you try to fit in you'll disappear such a beautiful quote because when you really think about it it's like yeah okay because you're not you disappear in my mind the way i see it is you disappear because you, you you're not true to yourself you're not true to who you are deep down inside and i saw that in myself so many times there's so many quotes that that align with it you know why would you like to f blend in when you're made to stand out? Yeah. Right? Good question. Why? And I mean, you, 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 you explained why too, right? Because as social animals, right? As social beings, part of a society, part of a culture, part of a work group, many personal groups, we want to fit in. We don't want to be ostracized, right? The way I see it as well is how we were, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, or even thousands or even a few hundred years ago. If you would not fit into a society, you would likely die. Right, because you get pushed out, Definitely. and the world was very dangerous. Every, then, everything was survival back then, right? And it's still ingrained in our in our subconscious, in our brain, right? We have the reptilian brain, which is all about survival. It's about fight, flight, or freeze. And the moment there's instant danger, the reptilian brain takes over everything, and it's about fight, flight, freeze. So it's all about survival. And if you look at it that way, then we're more focused on dangers than on opportunities yes right it, it, it's amazing that if you ask people what they want they have a hard time answering that question if you ask them what they don't want it's very hard to keep up with all the things they're saying somehow yeah. we we know exactly what we don't want but to truly express yourself what we do want it's it seems very hard and how do we get to knowing better of what we want 
Because I know you talk about helping your clients and people you work with to find their passion, to find their wants. How does that work in, in practice? Well, it's about changing your focus. We get like 12 million bits of information per second that enters our system. And our subconscious gathers all that input it filters it, it processes it, and about 60 of those bits get forwarded to a conscious mind. So that's a very tiny piece of information that comes into our conscious mind. Yet we're using those 60 bits per second to create a reality, how we experience reality, right? For instance, our body is a big sensor, right? And the fact that the chair you're sitting or you're standing you know that the floor is putting pressure on your feet is part of those 12 million bits of information that enters your system. And now you're aware of it because I've put the attention on it. But the moment this call started, you were already standing and that information entered your system. But it was filtered out because it had no meaning at that moment. It had no priority. It had no focus. So by changing focus, you will observe other things for instance when you decide to buy a new car the moment you've chosen the car of your dreams suddenly it seems like half the city is driving that same car and maybe your next door neighbor is driving exactly the same car you think to yourself why why when i decide to buy a new car is everybody driving that car why does my next door neighbor needs to have the same car as i want but that next door neighbor may already have the car for six months right the fact that you've passed his car during those six months might have been a subconscious trigger to start liking that car and but the moment it got your focus it got your attention the subconscious will forward that information to your conscious mind or you start noticing all those cars so it sounds like you have to be intentional about what you want to focus on exactly and that will bring it into your subconscious and then be passed on to your conscious mind on a more real basis and i can i, I can attest to that because i've been doing a lot of that in the last few years and it's always impressive how well it worked they they did an experiment with school children and they had a certain amount of children and they put them in a classroom and they said to those children okay start running randomly through the room and try not to collide with another one and they started counting the collisions right they had a similar sized group of children in the same classroom yet they got the assignment Start running as fast as you can randomly through the room and look for the free space you can move to. And you start counting the collisions again. Now, guess in which room the, the least amount of collisions happened. Oh, the second one. Exactly. You've heard a lot of accidents in countries where there was just one road with one tree and people hit the tree, right? Because when you lose control of your car and you see the tree, you say, oh, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree. But you're so focused on the tree that subconsciously you start steering towards the tree. So what they say is what you resist will persist. So if you put the focus on what you don't want, guess what you get? More of that. <laughs> exactly. That's really powerful. That's a, it's a good reminder for me because it's so easy to forget that at times and go back to old programmings and old behaviors. I've done that many times and I still get caught at times. Well, I thought, yeah, okay, let's see what we focus on. Exactly, right? If you have children and you want to teach them how to ride a bike, right? A lot of people might say, okay, just start pedaling and try not to fall. So are you putting the focus on, on falling, right? But if you would say, start pedaling and keep your balance, you have a totally different focus. And we don't even realize, and that goes back to what you said about language, right? Because really, it is all about language as well when we talk to ourselves when we talk to others and then what that does to our subconscious mind and i would imagine that's the same thing that happens with the content we consume right like the, the social media the news if they keep focusing on the negatives which a lot of them do because that sells and it makes sense why they focus on it well it's almost like that's what we focus on as well exactly yeah very 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 interesting stuff Erwin. i wanted to ask you maybe if you can share with us one of your favorite transformative stories of one of your clients, or maybe yourself or your wife or your, or your children. But I'm curious to see an example or, or two, if you have time, of something that really you know, changed the way you see things but, or made you say, wow, this is amazing. I really, you know, I'm really on the right path. Yeah, and it's actually from the very one of my very first clients who was actually a volunteer, right, when I was still doing practice. When I started working with strangers doing my training, the first three clients I got were female and the fourth one was a male client. And 
he had the, the, the challenge he had was that in verbal conversations, he would become, he would shut down or he would become angry. And he was working at the military police. So that's not so useful in his, in his job, right? Yeah, not very much. And so he just wanted to be in control of his emotions and feelings, right? And, and, and manage the situation correctly. And we had a very good pre-talk. And then I said, okay, you can just sit in the chair and we'll start the, the session. And he sat in this chair and he said to me, well, I don't know if I'm very easy to be hypnotized because back in the days we had a, a stage hypnotist in the Netherlands, Rasta Rostelli, and he, he shared with me that he has been on stage three times with him to stop smoking, but it didn't work for him. And funny enough, at that moment, I had no doubt in my mind, right? And I just said to him, well, okay, fair enough, but we just had a pre-talk and this is what you want. So it's going to happen. And I didn't have any doubt whatsoever. So we started the session. He went into a deep trance. I worked with his subconscious mind. And after the session, he was actually amazed how, how well it went. And I said to him, okay, you know, I'll contact you in a week time from now to see how things are going. And if you need or want a second session, we just make a new appointment. So a week later, I approached him and I said to him, you know, how are you doing? You know, are things okay? Do you want the second session or whatever, right? What happened? And I got a message back from him and he said, you know, it's it's great. You've you've transformed my life, right? There's no need for me for a second session. I'm perfectly happy with how I'm right now. And if you need anything from me, just let me know. And for me, that was I it gave me such a, a great feeling. Well, actually a mixed feeling. It was a great feeling because I was happy for him. It was a great feeling for me. And also like a blessed feeling that I was able to to transform his life. And it really gave the motivation for me to 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 go for it. Because having this ability to help to truly help people transform their lives, yeah, that's that's amazing. Wow, that's beautiful. And how? Let me ask you this: that's that's a, that's an inspiring story, and it's essentially a confirmation that you were on the right path. And it was very early on to continue pushing you and pushing you on this path. You talked about at the beginning that you did a lot of this in person, and then, of course, with the pandemic, you had to shift and work virtually as well. And now you can work with people all over the world. Are there Big differences or differences between someone that's like physically present with you and going in a trance or someone that's thousands of kilometers away and doing it virtually? Minor differences because you always have to look at the the camp setup, right? Because if you see person live, you can see the whole body, right? With when you're working online or virtual, you see most part of the of of the client, but not everything. And you have to work with what you see. But it's that's only visual, right? I can also listen to you. I can hear. I can listen to your voice. So you have many more senses that you can use. And you have to create the right conditions, right? The subconscious always wants to protect you, right? So you don't want the client to stay in trance when the connection gets broken, right? So if there's an instant danger, you want the subconscious to act on that and not stay in trance. So there are some conditions you need to take care of, but for the rest, the uh, the effects and the impact is the same. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And it sounds like essentially people that are interested in this could work on any number of issues, limiting beliefs or things that they want in their life, which is, yeah, which is, which is beautiful to see, right? Because not a lot of practices or tools can say that you can work on any aspect. As long as you want it, and you, you touched on something beautiful with the example you gave is, the person coming to you wanted the change. Yeah, the, the the real challenge for me as a coach, a hypnotherapist, is to see if the client actually wants to change. And it sounds maybe crazy, but non-verbally, you also give up signs, right? It's it's automated. You you can't influence it that much. I had a well, not a client, but a friend of ours that I wanted to give a session, and she wanted to have more energy. Because she was always tired, right? And when I asked her, okay, but how would you like the situation to be? And she started telling me what what she wanted. Yet, when she was telling what she wanted, her whole expression was still of being tired, right? So when I see something like that, I wouldn't start a session, right? In another example, somebody was always failing his driving exam. 
right? And so he wanted to have the confidence that he could succeed in his exam. So when I asked him about situations, he said, well, you know, I get nervous, I get a blackout, I don't know how it's going, but it, it feels like the, the tension is building up and I forget everything I know, right? But when I'm practicing, I know everything perfectly, right? I know I can drive, but I can't do it when I'm doing the exam. And then I ask him, okay, so how would you like to be? You know, what, what do you want? And then he said, well, I want to get the exam, right? I want to do it. I want to, once and for all, I want to do it. So what he non-subconsciously told me that he needed to kick in his behind so to speak i never see that that difference between describing the old situation and what they want then i know this the session will be success that's very beautiful yeah i like i like that because when you think about it, most of our communications when you communicate with someone only seven percent or so is verbal right like what we what we perceive from the other it's about 7% yeah. of our mistake right the rest is either your body language your intonation your tone of voice everything that comes with the non-verbal piece. Exactly. Right. And it, 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 that's the biggest challenge is to find out how much the person wants to change. And if because... a person doesn't want to change much or as much, are they a lost cause in the moment and someone that can be helped? Or do you have to take it a step back and say, now we're going to work on seeing if you truly want this and to bring your desire to match the words and, and the actions? Yeah, well... Normally, I when a client comes to me for therapy and I feel confident that I can help them, then I make them an offer. And for first clients, it's always with three three sessions because the first session is they need to get used to me, how I work and how hypnotherapy works. And you start building like a relationship of trust with the subconscious mind of the client. And you can already start building the first foundation of the of the change. Then the second session I use to truly transform the client. And the third session can be used for putting the dots on the eye. Or sometimes you have something what's called secondary gain, which means that the solution might be worse than having the, the problem. Mm -hmm. And there are methods to deal with that as well. Because sometimes you can change, then the subconscious realized that having the issue was better was more beneficial for the for the client than having it taken away, so to speak. So then the issue might come back to the client, and then you need another method to to deal with that. I love that, and I love the message there as well. That just because hypnotherapy works doesn't mean it works for everyone in the same way. There's different methods, different tools, like anything else in life. And and I love that message because I'm a strong believer that there is no magic pill. There is no one way to to fix everyone or to fix yourself. I, I, I sometimes get the question if everybody is able to be hypnotized and it's my conviction to say that everybody can be hypnotized as long as they're willing to change. Yes, yes. I and love there that. might yeah. be some exceptions from people that might not have a connection with the feelings and emotions or have like a physical limitation. But besides those exceptions... I believe that everybody can be hypnotized as long as they're willing to be to change. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the big uh, lesson there too, because that applies to not just hypnotism, but many other things as well in life. As long as you're willing to put in the effort, you're willing to to make the change, you can do lots of things. And this is just one other tool that can help you in that regard. Beautiful. Yeah, I I never advertise hypnotherapy in my coaching. It's just one of the tools I can uh, can use to help my clients. But sometimes I I like to say that they always say it takes about thirty to ninety days to change the habit. Or you come to me for a session of one one and a half hour. Just say what you what you think is more efficient. Exactly, right. And I love that. And I love the fact that you said it's just one of many tools now as you're expanding your tool set and your, your practice. And so maybe tell us some more about how you work with clients and if someone wants to work with you, where they can find you. Yeah, love to do that, of course. My international company is called Millionaire Life Strategy. So people can always visit millionairelifestrategy.com if they want more information or get in touch with me. I think it's important that there's a mutual likability, right? I want you to experience that I'm the right person to help you. And I want to feel myself that I'm the right person to help you. Because if I don't think I can help you, I won't make you an offer, right? So it's always about the first contact, you know. It sounds simple what they say, no like trust. 
But I truly believe that, right? If you're talking about coaching, you're talking about a longer term relationship, right? And there needs to be a click between the two. And if there's no click, then it won't work. So people need to be convinced. People need to convince themselves that I'm the right match for them. And I want to experience myself as well, that I'm able to help the client as, as what they want to achieve. I got my own coaching program. It's called the Profitable Passion Program. It's a year program, consists of five modules. You can choose one module or the whole package. And that's one-on-one coaching, most, most part. And I've got a group coaching as well. It's called my Profitable Passion Inner Circle. And that's a fully online community where you can join with a subscription-based, low-level investment, high-level coaching. And that's that's wonderful. And of course, people can connect with me on LinkedIn. My main social media channel is LinkedIn. And I love to inspire my followers and my connections with my posts. And if one of them will help a client make, make a difference or make a change, it's already worth it. Love that. And of course, I will put all those in the in the show notes Shadow, so I want to thank you so much for your time today and for all the wisdom and everything you've shared. But before I let you go, what is there anything else that you would like to add or share that maybe we haven't talked about? And I know there's a lot to talk, but maybe there's one. Oh, piece. we can spend hours, Constantine, talking about this. Absolutely. No. Well, maybe one thing that I told you in the beginning that we, my wife and I decided to to sign up for the hypnotherapy training if only we could help our boys with it and i get a question at the end did you help your boys with it right and i always say yes and no no because you can't be the therapist of your own children right you're the father you're the mother you can't be a coach or therapist and father at the same time so for the professional help we're using other coaches and therapists. We're just the father and mother. But I also say yes, because we changed ourselves, right? We talked about the use of words and the meaning of words and communications. So we changed ourselves. We started using different words. And that definitely has an impact on our boys. It has an impact on the world around you, right? Your family, your friends, anyone you interact with. Love the message because I strongly believe and one message I like to put out as well is that as you become a better version of yourself, your world becomes better to you, to everyone around you. And your world could be tiny, could be your family, but could be also your friends, your coworkers and your environment. Absolutely. Love that, Erwin. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait to do the second part. Thank you. You're welcome, Constantine. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do, and I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration, and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment, or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at unleashthyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at unleashthyselftoday, TikTok and YouTube at unleashthyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose, with purpose. See you in the next episode.